0: Thank you for joining me for a few moments to ponder this final chapter of 1st Peter. I'm Betsy Marvin, and this is episode 63. And now, a word to you who are elders in the churches. I, too, am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I, too, will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. So stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. So after you have suffered a little while, He will restore, support, and strengthen you. And He will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. I have written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas, whom I commend to you as a faithful brother. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in this grace. Your sister church here in Babylon sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet each other with a kiss of love. Peace be with all of you who are in Christ. 1 Peter 5. Before we dive in, I want to bring us back to the way Peter started this letter. He wrote, I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Peter starts with saying, God the Father knows you and he chose you long ago and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Christ. Peter's voice here is one of finality. The work on the cross is final. And the resurrection is complete. The Spirit has made you holy. Not will make you, but has made. It's done. And because he dwells in you, you have a desire to live out of the holiness within you. When I learn something or something strikes me new, I have a strong desire to share it. I'm pretty sure it's the teacher in me. I love to share resources, books, and ideas. I want to share what I have learned so that you can learn it too. The book Good and Beautiful You by James Bryan Smith is my current reading, and as I prepared for Chapter 5 today, the author's words and Peter's kept joining together in my mind. Jim Smith writes this, The finality of the cross and the reality of the resurrection is that God, in Christ, has forgiven all sins for all time, and that Jesus rose to impart new life to those who believe. Jesus died to cleanse us, and he resurrected to fill us, to inhabit us. And as a result, we are people in whom Christ dwells. Now, this doesn't mean we will never sin, because obviously we do. But it means that we are cleansed, holy, right now. And we can live in that truth. Although we may sin, our identity is Christ, not our behavior. This desire to live into our identity is the training, learning, and growth that we need as we discover more and more of who we are in Him. Yet when life gets hard as it did for these early church believers. It's easy to fall into the habits and fears that suffering brings. We are still human. We deal with pride, greed, the need to control and be independent. These things still prey on us. Peter wants the church, and you and I, to remember that suffering doesn't change who God is. And it also doesn't change who he is in us. In fact, suffering forces us to lean closer to him and discover more of his grace and love. So as Peter closes this letter, he basically gives bullet points. A few things for his readers to remember. He wants to encourage them in how they live with each other, how they face hardship, and how they face the enemy. To summarize the points, he says, if you're a leader, lead well. It is a privilege. Be the examples that others need. If you're a young person, accept the authority of those over you. And to everyone, Peter said, be humble and respectful. Learn from each other. And don't worry. Trust that God cares and works in His timing. Stand firm against your enemy. You are not alone. And God will redeem the story. Today, I want to focus on verses 6 through 8. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. For many reasons, we are living in a season of heightened anxiety and depression. We can see from Paul's words here that worry isn't new. It's been around since the beginning. I read an illustration by Spurgeon that speaks to this verse. He wrote, A man comes to move your furniture, but he carries a huge and heavy backpack of his own. He complains that he finds it difficult to do the job of moving your furniture. So you suggest that he would find it easier if he laid down his own burden so that he could carry yours. Hmm. In the same way, We cannot do God's work when we are weighted down by our own burdens and worries. So cast them on him so that you can take up the Lord's burden, which he tells us is light, a yoke that fits us perfectly. And this, of course, is where humility comes in. Putting down your own pack, giving up control, feeling a little less independent because we are yoked to his mighty power. But when we do that, we are letting Him carry it, and we can get on with living. God cares for you so much that He wants to carry your burdens for you. In one translation of this verse, it says, Cast your cares on Him. Casting is a word a fisherman would know well. On a recent vacation, I spent a morning watching a fisherman cast out his net. It was fascinating to watch him. And I did notice that every time he prepared to cast his net, he would put a small line between his teeth to hold it. And then he would take both hands to cast that net out as far as he could. Then he would take the line and slowly pull it in. He did this over and over. When we cast our cares on God, can liken this to the two hands, just like the fisherman. One hand is of prayer, and one hand of faith. Prayer tells God what our care is and asks for help. The humility required, while faith believes that God can and will do it because He loves us. It's believing that He will bring me out of my distress and use it for His glory that allows me to move forward. And just as a lion will prowl around looking for easy prey, the one that's alone or weaker, feeling sick, the devil prowls around looking for the one that's easy prey. The secret to dealing with spiritual warfare is stated very clearly here by Peter. He says in verse 9, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Steadfast resistance in the confidence of knowing you are not alone helps us stay strong in the faith we have in the one who made us. When we stand in this, we resist the devil. And as James tells us in his letter, humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you this brings me back to how we began because of the finality of the cross and the reality of the resurrection we stand in the true grace strength and freedom of god our sins past present and future are forgiven the cross is done The reality of the resurrection is the life abundant that Jesus has for you. And it's on this foundation that we can stand in confidence as one in whom Christ dwells. May peace be with all of you who are in Christ during this Christmas season. Amen. As we move into the holidays in the next few weeks, I will not be posting a podcast, but we will begin a brand new series in January. If you haven't yet, please follow or subscribe. I'd also love to have a comment or two just to know what you think of this podcast and honestly, any ideas as we're going forward of a book of the Bible you would love to dive into together. You can find me at BetsyMarvin.com. Merry Christmas.